Are you sitting there right now using a PC with an overpriced operating system while you eat unhealthy ramen? Well, I apparently have all of the solutions to your life. Go to Vite Ramen right now and get their healthy protein-filled ramen for 10% off with offer code BROKENSILICON. And then go to cdkeyoffer.com to get 25% off all Windows keys and use DieShrink to get 3% off everything else on the website. And we'll talk about these sponsors more later. But for now, let's just get on with the show. Welcome to Broken Silicon, a gaming hardware podcast. I am your host, Tom. And today, on this new glorious year, not the first day of the year, this would be, I think it should be coming out the second day of the year. I am joined by my co-host, Dan. How are you doing, Dan? I'm pretty good. How are you, Tom? I'm good. All right. End of episode. See ya. <laughs> Garmin Cry writes in and he says, what is your favorite Moore's Laws Dead video or podcast to produce in 2023? And why was it Die Shrink 107? That's the one that Carbon Cry was on talking about hot chips. <laughs> but no, I thought this would be a fun subject to start with, Dan. Um, what subject did you enjoy discussing the most or following last year? Uh, I, I thought I had fun with graphics cards. I think the I think the pricing discussion and all of that was interesting and productive. And the CPU space is in a somewhat boring space place from my perspective because well, last year just, Zen Four was already out and Arrow Lake was Arrow Lake again. I mean, Raptor well, Lake yeah. was just Raptor Lake again as the 14th gen. So yeah, so there's just not as much to talk about with that. But yeah, I'd say that's my favorite. Um. Yeah, I almost forgot that I was going to say um, the APU discussions just because they're not really out yet. But I guess Phoenix was, which was interesting, but not as interesting as we thought it would be. But just the knowledge of how many APUs AMD is coming in the next couple of years. And it's a type of thing that we've been, what, hypothesizing and theorizing about since the start of this channel. When will they make super APUs for desktop and laptop? It's finally it's happening. happening. Yeah. Like So that was exciting to me. But they're not out yet. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Actually, to that year, all the pricing discussions, This it was the most interesting year to talk about pricing. Because I actually re-listened to the first time David was on a little bit in 2019. And we were talking about pricing then. But it was like... Turing would cost more than people thought it should. It added ray tra- more than I thought it should too. By the way, uh, it added ray tracing. RDNA one came out, prices dropped. But that's Andy, it. You guys oddly predicted that a global pandemic would ruin the market for two, several it, years. <laughs> I will say on on weird pandemic predictions, me and Daniel Nenny like perfectly predict when the when the shortages will end. And uh, <laughs> one of the times he was on though, uh, not in 2019. I think it was like 2021. Um, or yeah, I think 2021, maybe 2020, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I, I have to say in terms of like pricing discussions, previous years, it was like the product's better, price drops. The product's not better, price doesn't drop. This one or the product comes out, everyone buys it no matter what. This year, it was a little more surprising. I definitely think like we had the unlaunch of the 4080. I guess that was technically that was the end of 2022, but 
it, like the, like we watched that happen and then we watched the 4070 last minute get almost reasonable pricing but then still get price cuts 4060 ti like we've watched a lot of dynamic pricing and a lot of disproving of the notion that it doesn't matter everyone will buy it anyways i think 2023 was the year where we proved no it does matter there is a limit to what people will pay for things yeah, I mean, because we're just at a point now where m- most of the market has is just rejecting the prices, and even to an extent where they're almost forgetting, they're almost forgetting what the market was like before the pricing issues, and are saying things that, frankly, aren't really true about how the market used to be. <laughs> and, yeah, like this isn't normal when it's like, no, that actually is how it used to work. Yeah, and it's just really people are frustrated, and I'm not saying it's not understandable that uh, prices are the base level of entry is probably a bit higher into getting a gaming PC than it used to be, and that's probably largely due to inflation. But the problem with that being with inflation is, yeah, everything might be more expensive, but take home pay isn't really increasing that much yet hopefully that happens soon i I think it will but well it could be increasing more i think i think um i think there you can't help but I, i wish more people might acknowledge though that part of the complaining has to be coming from this aspect of what you're really saying is you wish it was more exciting and it takes more to excite you because we're in this world of diminishing returns and performance. That's I, I true. think that's a part of it too, where I was actually thinking about this the other day, like going from like a 30% performance increase. And I was like looking at the difference between a seven, eight fifty and a, you know, six fifty TI. And it was like 30 to 40%. And I remember thinking it was so much bigger, but it was like, yeah, but back then, yeah, that was it. Like the b- low settings looked low, and well, yeah, when you could sixty, you're not going from a hundred to a hundred and twenty hertz. Where it's like, if you have a variable refresh rate display, it's not that big of a deal, really. It's like that. Every thirty percent back then mattered so much more. Publace <clears throat> was a massive uplift over Ampere, one that we didn't even get to fully see because the forty ninety is not as strong as they could make it. They could launch something twenty percent stronger than that, I'm sure. Um, and they just haven't, but even then it's like, you know, a 70% increase over the 3090 Ti, or at least 60%. And it's like, but that's what it takes to excite people now, not 30%, but that's because, well, because it still looks pretty good. Yeah. In, in 2012, uh, going from 30% meant going from 720p to 900p, then another 30% is 1080p medium settings. Then another is 1080p ultra. And it's like, oh yeah, that's pretty fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, um, I just, I guess what I'm saying though, you know, the pricing discussion was interesting because things happen that we didn't really expect and they happen in a good way a lot of the time. And to the point that you think that you suggested, sometimes I think people are forgetting how stagnant prices kind of were and performance increases weren't in the past compared to now. But at the same time, I think some of that complaining is coming from, for being honest, it takes a lot to excite people now because <laughs> games look good. Well, but uh, f- frankly, uh, uh, until we're, I think we're at now at a kind of weird part in the market point in the market where I don't think a lot of people are really going to be that enthused by increases in really any uh, like raster and 
really what people are looking forward to or are going to get excited about once it actually happens is when a GPU comes out that can genuinely do full path tracing because mm. you you have those couple examples of games that are, have a fully path trace mode now or still somewhat hybrid. I, I don't remember exactly how all of them work, but have, I'll just say heavily uh, path trace now. And the, even the 4090 performs terribly on them unless you want to lower uh, resolution all the way to 1080p. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Or where you're playing Portal, where it's like, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot Portal got it, too. Uh, Techno writes in, and he says, I'm not sure where to put this, or even if this would be long in a reader mail. Well, I'm reading it, so here we go. But I'm putting it here anyways. What would it take for you to incorporate a few more international sponsors? If there was the ability to partner with a European computer company so you get free RAM with the 7800X3D, <laughs> Would certainly be a bit more palatable to listen. Every time I see a micro center giving away RAM with a 7800X3, it makes me feel a bit sad inside, as I am in Europe, are and we are unable to retrieve such a good deal. Yeah, I mean, I actually have seen people that in the comments just like, I'm going to kill someone if you keep telling me how good the deals are there. Um, only thing I would remind everybody is just keep in mind when you see that, you got to add another 5 to 10% for the tax on top of that in the US. But yeah, I mean... Uh, techno if you want that to happen email them like this community tell you know your local shops to sponsor us and they will we have had european sponsors in the past and to do that they just need to get on board and you know yeah most of our audience is uh american and canadian but i mean to honestly i, I think it's like a fourth of it's european you know yeah, it's that, actually I, more than you'd think <laughs> for an american show yeah, and that doesn't surprise me uh, that, I, I mean, it's an international, it's a global world now, so that doesn't surprise me. But it, it's also just harder to do that as an American production, or I shouldn't say it's an American production, at, because part of the production isn't in America, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, as in a, a show hosted by two Americans with the audience mostly being American and the biggest Although a audience. startling amount of our guests are Australian or English. Yeah. <laughs> a few Germans, too. And, and Germany, and not Germany, and the, the U.S., I accidentally said Germany because you said it, I guess. And the U.S. and Canada are combined relatively, are kind of the largest market in, exist- in existence right now. It's just hard to know, like, you know, every uh, website that functions in Europe because there's a lot of them and you can't really know which one to reach out to. And if I'm not mistaken, it's typically sponsors that reach out to you anyways, right? Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, it's, I mean, it's me trying to keep up with them, you know, and like filtering by the ones that are the biggest jerk to us or like, can the ad be 10 minutes long or are obvious obvious scams? Because I don't see a whole lot of those anymore for maybe there's, I filtered through enough of them Uh, or the algorithm on my Gmail account is just like this one's probably one of them. But, um, we also have to think from a sponsor's perspective, if they're in England and they're like, well, you only sell to England. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I mean, well, our shop only sells to England. If we go to Tom, it's not just England's one country in Europe. Um, and I mean, then I don't, you know, what is that? Like five, 10% of the viewership or something, you know, probably five, you know, so that's the thing they're gonna have to factor in. Is it worth funding that? But 
you know, I, I'd say there's always ways to make it work. I've worked with sponsors in other countries before, and it's just reach out to them and tell them to sponsor us. And sometimes they do. And also to tech now, uh, about the questioning of the length of this reader mail. Some people have sent in uh, Ulysses before. So. <laughs> yeah, which we're going to have one. They actually decided to keep, you know. <laughs> but yes, that, that, that length's fine, Techno. Um, all right, so we do have a corrections here. Technically, this is filling out the slot in a news episode. So this episode's going to feel a little bit more like a looking back, looking forward, but some aspects of the typical Dan news episodes. And the correction we have today is from QH Freddy. Correction on the overclocking fuse Threadripper thing. Uh, Threadripper is the first time OEMs have inserted a notification in the BIOS that there is a permanent fuse that voids your warranty for even changing it to Expo settings. AMD later went out and corrected that they don't void the warranty based on the fuse, but I know I just find it strange that all at once there is this pop-up in a BIOS if AMD didn't actually change anything in the hardware or the way they treat it in warranty. Um... I mean, I don't know what to say, right? And you know what he's talking about, right? That big, we discussed it last news episode, um, the big hubbub about, you know, a a fuse and Threadripper that can tell basically if you've used it for anything but putting it in and turning it on. And I I, I think you have to think about why they would do that, though, QH Freddy. Like, at a minimum, that tells them, hey, someone turned this on in a system with like with standard settings. At a minimum, it's telling them that, and I don't know what normal failures they see. I will say that most CPUs I've seen fail, which is almost none, if not like, like half of the time, they basically don't work, and they break within a week, or they never break, or, they, or they're DOA. And so maybe this will help them filter through that. And until we start seeing multiple people saying they ha- they <laughs> got a warranty voided for using Expo, I, I just don't see it as a thing. I, I yeah. just don't. And, and I don't know. From my perspective, um, you see a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of shenanigans around Expo settings and them being on by default and everybody getting mad and I don't know. It almost feels like there's just some internal or intercompany politics thing going on with Expo where it's like, I, I, I don't know. It's just like, it, it, it sounds like an OEM is just, or an, uh, an AIB that m- makes uh, motherboards is just, uh, I don't know, raising a stink about something that they don't like. Mm. What makes you, wait, what makes you say that though? Because if this fuse has been there for 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 in previous things, and now they're suddenly sending this message out, and it's not actually a big deal, I don't know. It just reads as off to me because now now you get a bunch of people that DIY and they see that big warning message, and they're like, "Oh, well, maybe they'll raise a stink about it." <laughs> mm. I don't know. It's a bit conspiratorial, but yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but again, you know, all I can say is it's something that, you know, and some of it is the fact that I have no intention of getting a Threadripper with how expensive they are anytime soon. So maybe I just don't pay as much attention to this. But I just don't, again, if we find out that a bunch of CPUs are being voided for basically just turning them on, we will say something. But until we say see that, I don't know, it's just more weird crap, don't you think? Yeah, it, it, it's weird background crap that on its face doesn't appear to matter <laughs> so mm-hmm. until it proves that it does matter it, i mean it's proven that it does matter i don't see why to give it so much air 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, then let us stop doing that and move <laughs> on to the next subject here. So, yeah. Uh, in the David episode that came out a couple of weeks ago, I w- mostly dealt with the stories from 2023, but I decided this year to take what are the things I think David's most interested in? What are the things you will probably and like try to not talk about the same things a lot? And one of the things I wanted to bring up with you that was on the list of subjects was going back. I do this before we do end of year uh, or and beginning of your podcast. Um, is I go and like look at all the stuff that was covered on the channel, like and go, oh yeah, we did that. Oh yeah, I mm-hmm. forgot we talked about that. And one of them that I stumbled across was like one of the first ones I put out in 2023, which is about how AMD seems like they're going to screw Intel from their CES presentation. And I rewatched part of it, and in it I said, it doesn't really seem like Intel is going to have anything ready to compete with Phoenix and Dragon Range, (laughs) and that's actually next-gen. And a lot of people were like, that's not true, Meteor Lake's about to come out, and it turned out to be double true. And I find it so weird watching this, you know, video I put out a year ago where I'm saying... Seems like AMD has new APUs coming out and Intel won't respond right away. And it seems like AMD's like server stuff in in like X3D was the thing back then. It's just they'll not be able to compete with X3D. And I can't help but go, is 2024 CES that's going to be like a week after this comes out, mm-hmm. is that going to be like that times 10? Because I think what's about to happen is, and we'll see, you know, remember this was recorded before came out more than usual like a week before but i can't help but sit here and goes i mean intel's going to talk about meteor like more and if the i9 14900 ks maybe or something and then amd is going to come out and probably start showing off next gen stuff at least i think they should i guess maybe they'll wait to talk about strix but i think they'd be wise to fully unveil it yeah i i mean for, for the fact of the matter is i i think in a lot of ways intel is all they can they keep proving that really the only thing that they can do with their CPUs now is overclock them. So, yeah, I mean, I don't see why 14900KS at CES would be ultra impressive because it's just going to be a hotter 14900K that clocks, what, 100 megahertz faster? 200 megahertz, but it won't really be hotter. It'll be the same amount of heat with a little less voltage hitting a slightly higher clock speed. Okay. Well, I mean, that's not, that's better than my scenario, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, well, they can't make it hotter. That's already it, throttling. <laughs> it's, it's already, yes, it's already uh, the surface of the sun level heat. But <laughs> it, yeah, I, I just don't know why that wouldn't be the case. The only thing I could imagine is if Hawk Point is somehow a regression against phoenix, phoenix. Which i i don't think that's possible unless there's something really wrong with that neural engine they're putting in it mm-hmm. um yeah well speaking of regressions um meteor lake you know it was also interesting looking back at the beginning of the year 2023 and me and you were talking about how meteor lake was a phoenix killer and that the d- discussion was, is it going to be a little better or a lot better, like 50% better, not in performance, of course, but like we were like, hey, it could end up beating it by like 20% with 30% less power consumption. And I don't know. I just I just think I need to 
say that again. Like, I think some people misread our opinion near the end of last year when we were talking about the situation with Meteor Lake. The point isn't that it's like much worse than Phoenix. The point is it was really supposed to be so much better than us. And I think that there's definitely a chance here that we'll see some updates come out um, to the BIOSes and firmware that make Meteor like perform a bit better than it is right now. That seems like that could happen, but I still kind of expect it to be all over the place. But at a minimum, I thought a good one of a good subject to start the year with would be right. Let's say new firmware makes Meteor like better. How much better would it have to become, and how quickly would it have to become that much better for you to fundamentally change how you think about Meteor like? I mean, if there's just some update that they can send to computers and it's magically now, I don't know, the graphics are are like 20%, 30% better or something, and the CPU is... Uh, I, I don't think CPU needs to be substantially better, maybe 5, 10 15%. But without that, I, I, I don't know if it's that impressive to me. Uh, because then AMD is going to compete, be competing with... An objectively worse uh, APU with Hawk Point for probably what nine months or I don't know. We'll see. Uh, probably six. Okay. So I, I mean, I think that would legitimately make put Le- Meteor Lake at a place where okay, it's it's fine and mm-hmm. it, it's what it was supposed to be. And if they fix that, maybe four years from now we'll say, well, that was when Intel started reversing course uh, mm-hmm. with. Uh, consumer products. It was funny you say that, though. You're like, the CPU doesn't need to be much better. Like, maybe they boost the CPU by 10% while having the GPU firmly beat Phoenix by 20%. Well, I don't know, right? I would have to add on to that, but it has to also use less energy. Like, we're not seeing this. You can say, well, it uses less energy than Raptor. Like, sometimes, like, in this narrow band, if it's in moderate usage up here, it's not better. Below 15 watts, it's not better. Like, it's just just, uh, Raptor, like, with a different power band. That's it. That's what it feels like a bit. So, (laughs) uh, for me, the biggest thing I would want to see updated in firmware is I would want it to emerge that all of a sudden, Meteor-like laptops do last 20 hours. Like, this was supposed to compete with Apple. Yeah, well, and this doesn't really matter, I suppose. But, like, yeah, if you saw, could see, somehow see, like, revised draw, a revised power curve where it's actually higher than Raptor Lake at all power uses. And not just by 5%, by like 20 or 30%. Yeah. And then for Meteor Lake, it doesn't matter. But if it could, if they were putting it at anything that used, where it used 150 watts, it would be good to see if that, that it's still above Raptor Lake. But Mm -hmm. that's less important. But yeah. So again, how soon would that need to happen? Well, I guess you would say in the next two months. Uh, I mean, I would say before Hawk Point starts showing up in laptops or before Hawk Point gets like a big reveal or something. Uh, or a big unveiling with a bunch of laptops yeah, out. Yeah. I mean, it's been, I, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean a paper launch or a, mm-hmm. we, we told you this thing exists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd say at a minimum, you'd want that around when Hawk Lake's a real thing. Hawk Lake, Hawk Point's <laughs> a real thing, or certainly before Strix, because if this hap, if like in six months from now, if it's like Alchemist, where, a year after it's out, they're like, it works now. And it's like 10% stronger. And then everyone responded, the 3060 is 250. Who cares? 
Like, yeah, that's what you want to avoid. So like, if this were to, if let's say this is true, because some people are saying that there's firmwares coming out that should fix it. Well, that fixing better make it 10% more performance in CPU, 20% more in GPU while simultaneously using 20 or 30% less power. Mm-hmm. That is what, by the way, Meteor Lake was supposed to be. <laughs> so then it's doing what it was supposed to be the whole time. And that needs to happen before Strix is about to launch because then it doesn't matter. I mean, AMD's going to have 12 cores and graphics that run circles around it. But if Meteor Lake could half a year before Strix launches be only say 20% weaker in GPU, you know, 30% weaker in CPU, but have similar efficiency, that is what I always thought it should be. And that's what it would take for me to go, okay, all right. Meteor Lake looked like it could have been a bulldozer, but it looks like it was a uh, almost Zen One moment where the firmware fixed it or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, QH Freddy writes in and says, Is Intel really at a better place with Meteor Lake than they were with Lakefield? I mean, I, I think no. I, I don't really think so. I mean, Lakefield was at, was the first generation where they had some type of uh, heterogeneous architecture and we're now on the what four fifth generation of that and there's still pretty major issues present in it yeah i mean a better place than they were with lakefield i mean the problem is lakefield like wasn't used yeah, you know, you know, and you know, this is the thing. This is like DG one to DG two all over again. When people are like, "Well, Meteor Lake was them trying out tiles." Wrong. That was Lakefield. It's been yeah, years. Yeah, that's true. And, and it's like, yeah, I mean, comparing it to DG one and DG two, it's like, well, DG one might as well not exist. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. and Lakefield might as well not exist too. So, yeah. uh, anyone who says this is their first attempt at tiles, wrong. Lakefield was wrong. Yeah. This is their second attempt at consumer tiles. <sighs> Feels like Alchemist, guys. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right. Well, I want to move on to, uh, I think, a pretty interesting question, too. Um, of course, we're prob- when this comes out, we will be on the heels of probably big Hawkpoint reviews being out in about a month from now. Got any 2024 New Year's resolutions? Well, my girlfriend's cat does trying to jump around in as much loose wrapping paper as he can. And my dog, Jesse, well, her New Year's resolution is to watch him do that as much as possible for some reason. But for many of us humans, New Year's resolutions usually involve trying to learn a new skill or improve our health while staying happy. And, well, Vite Ramen can help you do that last one. This piece of content is brought to you by Vite Ramen. Vite Ramen is a healthy, tasty, and shelf-stable food crafted by an American startup that offers tons of options for eating healthy, like their classic packages that make it easy to add protein and other ingredients of your choice, or also their Ramen Go packages that offer a healthy, microwavable option for those who truly only have a 15-minute lunch break, or their new Nano Boost Vitality Powder that I honestly think tastes fantastic and is a great way to get a tasty burst of energy later in the day without cranking yourself up on that third or 
fourth or fifth, really, cup of coffee that you know you shouldn't be drinking if you want to go to bed at a reasonable time. Seriously, their Vitality Powder, it actually does taste very, very good. I've been enjoying it quite a bit. And for all of their products, whether it's kitchenware, uh, powders, or their ramen, of course, click on the link in the description and use the offer code broken silicon to save 10 percent on all of their fantastic products they really are a great rapidly growing american startup that's been very good to the moore's laws dead team over the past few years and well due to us actually liking their products and liking them they've been good to us so supporting them supports me and even just clicking on the link in the description makes a big difference as well. But I really do like their products and recommend them. So check out Vite Ramen today. What performance would make Hawkpoint disappoint you? Um, if the only thing that gets a massive, uh, no, I shouldn't say massive, because uh, I'm not expecting a massive uplift in anything from Hawkpoint. But if like you essentially only see the neural performance increase and like CPU only goes up by a few percent or something and same mm -hmm. with GPU. I, I would say that's what would be the most disappointing. I mean, I'm not expecting a huge thing with CPU. I, I don't know what your, th your thoughts on that are. And I don't know. My guess for GPU is hopefully they get like 10 or 15%. Higher. Yeah. Yeah. What would have really impressed me is if the GPU actually got like a solid 10% or more like mm -hmm. that, that would, that would impress me. And if multi-threading was a solid 10% better, uh, obviously if single threading actually got 5% higher somehow that I don't, I just don't think so. I think it's going to be like okay. one to 2%. Um, and I guess what would extra impress me is if they were like, if it came out, there were reviews of, you know, 35 watt variants replacing what they used to use for either Phoenix. Like, let's say your laptop, your Lenovo, what is it like slim something? Um, like Slim something pro, like if they took your laptop with a 7840 HS and they put in like a 845 HS uh, or an 8845 yeah, HS yeah. and they were like 35 watt to 35 watt or whatever yours is might be 45, same TDP. And then they got like 10% better multi-threading, 10% better iGPU. And at the same time, it actually was using decently less power at idle and stuff. Like that is what would really impress me is I want to see if the efficiency is notably better. I don't expect much, but mm -hmm. the only thing I ever worry about when I see like an AI engine is now 16 tops instead of 10 is did they just uncap an artificial cap they used to have? And is this oh, actually going to have a worse battery life? So that's the type of thing I'm watching for with Meteor Lake. But if they manage to actually get that like 60% more tops, which they say translates to 40% better AI performance while simultaneously having 10% better at basically everything else. And the power, the battery level tests show it being like at least 5% lower than before or better. I go, well, now I'm impressed. This is clearly not just a refresh. They clearly did something with the silicon. Yeah. But, but with the uh, neural engine speculation, maybe they're just uncapping something. I mean, the neural engines really aren't used for that many things right right now, are they? Or maybe I'm just mistaken about that. Gary knows who got it right in, <laughs> and he says, does a consumer market for AI PCs actually exist? Obviously, there is interest from researchers and developers, but I suspect the average PC seller won't experience a situation where a normal customer comes in the door and asks for an AI PC, or at least not anytime soon. For now, I suspect marketing something as an AI PC might not help at all and could even backfire. Uh, P.S. To be absolutely clear, I'm only talking about the situation now. I'd also suggest that NVIDIA 
has the best claim to having invented the AI PC, given how many PCs exist with NVIDIA GPUs that have AI accelerators anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a very good point. Um, I think you'll see some people, people like me, you know, I kind of insisted on your, your laptop being Phoenix before I got it for you because I was like, what if this ends up being used in a year? Let's have it. I think enthusiasts, like ultra, like people who follow this channel will probably take this into account where they'll say, well, it sounds like it could be a big thing. If it's an extra 50, hundred bucks, which is often all it is going from Rembrandt to Phoenix, by the way, in a laptop, mm-hmm. I'm going to get that just in case. Um, I think you'll have people who do that, but in terms of like notable people going into Micro Center or Best Buy and going, I want the AI PC for the insert whatever. No, I don't think so yet. Um, but I think it's important for looking back and saying, oh, good, I have one in the future. Yeah, because my thought on this is, um, I, I mean, the the manufacturer, I mean, the Intel, a- AMD, all of them need to still prove to the market, like, well, does AI do anything? Because no, I don't think there's going to be a bunch of people that uh, start wanting to run AI simulation, like AI deep learning models or whatever. That's like something mostly researchers do. Um, But AI can be useful for uh, several things like facial recognition, which a lot of people use. And if you have a neural engine that makes those types of uses happen that much faster, well, then it becomes a marketing feature. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know how quickly it's going to get quantized. If if you know what I mean, like when where they're going to like start showing you it does this AI task this much percent better than our last generation, like they do for every other thing, like with multi-threading, single-threading, perf- gaming performance, etc. But um, I mean, I think we're a few years away from that. And if they can tell you your AI neural engine uh, does these tasks and makes your battery life this much better or whatever. I, I think it becomes a decent marketing feature. I don't know if the idea of marketing things as an AI PC necessarily makes sense because it's just going to be one aspect of your PC that you really don't think about that much. Um, because ideally, the neur- neural engines being in PCs shouldn't get in, be in your face about it being a neural engine. It's just integrated into your PC and it makes it operate that much better. Yeah, Yeah, I would say that... It's, is there, you know, Kerry Nosugata said right now, no, today, no. But I think that what AMD was planning for with Phoenix and Intel's planning for with Meteor Lake is what if in six months something happens and there is that thing that we Mm -hmm. want to use on Windows? Like um, one of the recent guests I had on an AI developer, um, basically said that in his opinion it's not like right now but he said i'm gonna guess by i think he said by the end of like 2024 there will be one indie game that has a gimmick that uses a neural engine that will go get memed around but it won't be that big of a deal it'll be a cheap thing a rudimentary game it'll be it'll be you know whatever and that'll get people interested and then in 2025 he's like i think the first real game that uses an AI, a neural engine to do something real or has to use your gpu to do it will emerge and then he's like but triple a games using it 
years away, probably like next gen console stuff, really. But I think that's the thing, right? I think that's what these companies are planning for is like, like at some point, what if an app is a big deal in late 2024? Right. Well, I, I that's why Strix it. is there. That's why they've been using it in Hawkpoint and Phoenix because you don't want to not have it when it happens. Well, and, and I don't know. I just thought of this. So there's leaks and rumors I, I know about Microsoft having some big update to Windows in 2024 that's going to require AI. I mean, do you think that's just Cortana? Um, well, I think Copilot's the big thing with it, okay. probably. But it's, I don't know. I think Microsoft's like going to make integrate. it out like AI does everything now. And they're going to try to integrate a chatbot into Windows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can see them doing that. And I think Microsoft's probably sitting there going, finally, here's maybe a thing we can do before Apple. Mm-hmm. You know, and by the way, I promise you Apple's working on that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure <laughs> so they, they are. For Apple, sure are. Apple's always working on everything. <laughs> you know, and they have those powerful neural engines and everything already. For sure. And by the way, what a great way to make people upgrade their iPhones. Oh, no, it has a neural engine, but it does run slower on your older iPhone, unfortunately. And look at the new three. The new one that came out in 2024 is a really big one, but you can still use it. But if it's slow, you should upgrade. You know, Apple's definitely going to want to do that in about a year. Oh, yeah, they're they're definitely going to want to figure out a way to make AI make old phones run slower. (laughs) <laughs> for sure but yeah so anyways to answer karen sugata's question right one more time is anyone walking in right now effectively no no one's walking into a best buy right now asking for an ai pc but i think that it could happen out of nowhere mid to late next year and having more tops would help with that mm-hmm. um xtx 999 writes and says i'm not sure if this has been answered before but is there a reason why amd won't make their own console like apu for desktop they already make them for consoles surely they can learn a thing or two i know strix and all of those new apus are coming out but nothing better than a ps5 is odd to my uninformed brain well i mean it's look desktop is just different you know you, it needs to do certain things that everyone who buys this wants to sell millions, right? And everyone buying a PlayStation is going to use it to game exactly that way. So it makes sense to develop that really specific APU. But Strix, its CPU is way stronger than the PS5s. It has a neural engine. It's a laptop APU. Most people buying a laptop aren't doing hardcore gaming, but will have enough graphics to play any game on the market. And adding more gpu to that would mean it compromises the sit like the die space you could have used for more cores so you compare it with a 5070 laptop right like so that mm-hmm. that's why they keep doing this yeah and, and i don't know if strix halo will ever come to the desktop market maybe that is just a inux or something yeah yeah oh yeah well in that but it won't come to the diy market probably unless like they release it at the tail end when they're trying to sell through old stock or something but i mean Strix Halo kind of is the thing being described, right? <laughs> yeah, but it, it won't be socketed. It'll be yeah, I know it won't be socketed. And I think it's because they view that APU as better as better sold in different products than like the, they're not the gonna make market. it a little smaller so it can fit on AM5 because most oh, people yeah. are buying a cpu for am5 to go with the gpu and so if you're amd you have to be better than every combination out there including the budget gpus you can buy on ebay and, and including a p just 
being cheaper than a PS5 or similar price to a PS5. Cheaper so than a PS5 will still having to do all these things Windows requires and be good at all these other tasks the PS5 doesn't need to do. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, Strix Halo, they could easily sell that APU alone, assuming you could actually just put it, throw it in an AM5 motherboard. They could sell that thing for like probably 700 bucks, maybe? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I mean, you, you got a 16 core Zen 5. That could be $700 alone. Then throw in a GPU that's easily going to be at least like $300 class. So, yeah, I mean, and so then where's the market for that? You know, so buy, buy it, a PS5, buy, well, probably better than a PS5 pr- performance for like a, a that PC would probably end up being over a thousand bucks. Yeah, and it would be a lot more efficient and do a lot more things than the PS5 can do. But but that tells yeah. you why they're not doing it. They are doing it for premium laptops, but to try to do it on desktop, are they actually going to try to make something that compromises some of these enthusiast things you want to do on a desktop with tons of cores? And ergo, are they really going to just put eight cores on it, but give it like 60 compute units, and but then try to make it compact and remove a couple things to fit inside? And eight? like, no, they're just, they're not going to. You know, at least not right now. Um, Deadeyes117 writes in and says, Hi, folks. I get the impression that a huge portion of Meteor Lake's problem with efficiency, which was supposed to be the big push here, stems from the fact that the chiplet interconnect is using way too much power. Would you agree? Do you think if they could cut the interconnect power job by, say, 50%, that Meteor Lake would be a compelling product that would closely resemble what Intel was hyping up? Or do the problems run deeper? Further, is it possible products like Air Lake could be redeemed by solving some crucial issues with the packaging tech? A little bit of yes on the last one. Um, but also, uh, I mean, I would just say, I'm not going to put an exact number there. But yeah, I mean, people are suggesting to me that the packaging and the Fovros technology that Intel's using is not as energy efficient. And it is cost mm. more to implement as well compared to AMD, which has built their company around what they did with Infinity Fabric. Yeah, I, I mean, um, you know... Infinity Fabric had its uh, growing pains. I'm sure, I, I can't remember right now if there's been a, a, any big news story about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Intel has poached some talent from AMD for that at, at one point. But a- AMD had its growing pains with Infinity Fabric. I'm sure Intel's answer to Infinity Fabric will also have some growing pains. Mm-hmm. Well, and look at what AMD did. They said, IODI cores tons of cash to duplicate stuff mm-hmm. so the latency thing is as much of an issue intel said everything's tiles yeah i know and it, like it, why it, is it, everything tiles it, it, yeah amd implemented it in a way where they were navigating around the issues it had and be, frankly because intel's i mean amd's create is, seems to be able to come up with solutions way better than intel is like somebody's a better ideas person there or not somebody, somebody's are. <laughs> but again, it's, um, I don't know, there's just a part of me that looks at Meteor Lake and thinks it almost is like they said everything has to be tiles, and then they decided that was the right thing to do after being stuck on a node for a very long time, where they're like, well, this would allow us to swap out tiles with different nodes on the fly, whereas AMD said, we need to solve a problem, and let's just solve that one. Yeah, and Intel said like because they have the uh, GPU tile, SOC tile, CPU tile. They're like, why do we need all these tiles? AMD's just like, no, there's the I/O with a GPU with everything in it, and then the cores. Like, think of how much more complex the communication needs to be if everything has to be mm-hmm. a tile. I, I, I don't know. It's just absurd to me. But, but yeah, 
Who but, knows? Um, Techno writes in and he says, what would it take for AMD to release a compact Navi 31 uh, laptop GPU with the full 96 compute units of Navi 31? How would this compare to an RDNA 4 laptop? And well, I mean, it would use more energy. <laughs> um, maybe we could sell it as, no, what would it take people buying AMD laptops in partnerships? Like, yeah, the best laptop GPU AMD could make right now is a 256-bit, uh, like that Navi 3132 package compact thing. Yeah. Using 24 gigabit per second memory with all 96 compute units enabled, clocked down to, I don't know, 2 gigahertz, so it's only consuming 150 to 200 watts binned. Yeah, that would probably be, I mean, yeah, I mean, that would be right up there with 4090 laptops. Which company's putting that in there? That's the problem. Um, they would need to make sure they have partnerships with Asus, Alienware, Leno- like everyone would have to be ready to go for them to use the best yields for something that they're worried no one would buy. Yeah, and in a market where NVIDIA is still pretty dominant, I think. Like people want NVIDIA GPUs on their laptops, usually. Or maybe I'm wrong, and that's just what the OEMs keep thinking. It's a bit of chicken and egg there for sure. And, uh, but then putting that at the top of that, uh, of that performance level of performance in that market, which is going to be a very, very niche market with laptops because not many people want a laptop that runs, that uses a 200 watt uh, GPU. Can't be, you can't really transport it anywhere because it has terrible battery life Mm -hmm. and weighs half a ton. That's not a, I don't think that's a very big market, and I don't think there's a lot of room for AMD to get into that if the 4090 laptop is already dominating it. No, I think AMD's best avenue to taking laptop dedicated market share, well, frankly, is just forcing people to use APUs, so they don't need to convince you to buy a GPU with it. But um, I would say it's trying to really target that 60 and 50 class and 70 class hard. Mm -hmm. And just trying to make something that performs with one or two tiers better in a laptop with Strix or Hawkpoint or whatever at the time that is like, yeah, I mean, all AMD laptop costs less. And it's like way better than their 4060. I think think moving forward, that is the path. Mm -hmm. Because until you at least get that buy-in, it's going to be hard to convince OEMs to put you in their $4,000 laptops. I mean, think about what that... An OEM that's making a $3,000 laptop is like, this uses the most expensive display. It's got maybe 64 gigabytes of RAM, at least 32. You know, it's got the fastest SSDs. You know, the market for people spending that much, they're going to want to minimize as many wildcards as they can. Yeah, that makes sense. And and so they're going to want that NVIDIA sticker probably. And I think it's in that mid-range where there's the most haggling you know, like I think the cheapest laptops, someone's just buying the cheapest laptop. The most expensive, they are going for the best and they don't want to risk anything. I think it's that like $1,000 to $1,500 market AMD needs to target because those are the people who probably Google a lot to try to find the best compromise mm-hmm. on price to performance. Um, and so that's that's not a 96 compute unit GPU. Um, no. And the only other, so the only other market I could really, this would be releasing a card to the market of like those small like niche custom pc websites that not many people use like that mm-hmm. that's where this card would exist and i just don't see what why you would make a card for that market yeah yeah <laughs> make a card pro- solely for that market i should say yeah 
All right. Well, all right. Let me move on to the next thing I wanted to discuss with you. I didn't really focus on this much with David, and I saved it for you. But, you know, last year there were just tons of Arrow Lake, Arrow Lake Refresh, uh, Lunar Lake, Panther Lake, Nova Lake, Beast Lake Lakes, all of these god dang lakes. But let's just start with the one that's actually going to matter this year for Intel. Um, How good does Arrow Lake need to be at this point? Like, what does Arrow Lake need to be for it to be a home run for Intel? I mean, I think it need it needs to be a good Zen Five competitor. That means it competes with Zen Five, good multi-threading, good single-threading, and doesn't have the power issues that all of their other uh, architectures have had. So, I mean, I think the big thing Arrow Lake needs to improve on from their previous architectures is power draw, because there's frankly no reason to buy a CPU that gets slightly worse performance in most aspects unless you're doing certain uh, productivity tasks and is also way less efficient because a person that's like looking at using a specific app they use for their uh, work pipeline they still might end up choosing to buy a amd cpu if -hmm. it's slightly less efficient because it doesn't use tons of energy and that thing is running 24 7 and they don't want to have a like $50 power bill on their CPU every month <laughs> or, or just the heat. Like or the heat, yeah. that is really an issue. And because the issue is with heat too is throttling and, Oh yeah, uh, great. A synthetic benchmark that runs for a minute. It gets good performance in that. That's not going to prove, or even uh, some Photoshop or whatever benchmark you can, you can contrive to do a benchmark with. The problem is, does it give me that level of performance for hours at a time or is it going to slow down? Right. And am I going to have to find a place to put a 360 millimeter all in one somewhere in my case that's going to cost me money and be a headache to install? I think a major reason the number one seller on Amazon and everywhere right now is the 7800X3D is just the juggernaut of sales right now. Is yeah. It has the best gaming performance. But also, I think it's just that peace of mind of I can get a $30 cooler, reuse my old box cooler that came with my 2700X. It will be fine. Yeah, I can just reuse any cooler. And that was going to be my next thing is. And I don't know if the way Intel is positioned, if they even can have one, but they need a uh, an answer to the eight core X3D uh, CPUs. Because those are just killing or dominating in the gaming market. It makes sense. It's the best gaming CPU, and it costs half the price of even AMD's most expensive CPU. Right. And again, the top Actually sellers, less, the, no. the top sellers on Amazon right now are, generally speaking, the Alder Lake, Raptor Lake, and Raptor Lake 2.0 chips with the least amount of e cores. Mm-hmm. Like. The i7 with four E cores, but eight P cores, tons of people are buying it. They want P cores. I think there was this push, and it was somewhat convincing early on with um, Alder Lake, where they were like, you got six P cores, but guess what? You also get four E cores. Come on, this is great. And it worked, but then they were like, now you get eight E cores. Everyone said, oh, I don't care. I'll take maybe four, but I don't need more than that. And it's this argument intel is making it but like look at all these cores you get in the low end everyone is in the low end is like i don't need a bunch of cores i need them yeah. to be fast and not use a lot of energy which yeah the e-cores somehow fail to do both which 
that's they need th- that's the other big thing. Arrow Lake really needs to address the e core issue because all a- Intel has done over the course of their uh, their Alder Lake series of uh, CPUs is prove that e cores make your CPU worse. Like they need to, they really need to do a lot of fixing the the perception of e cores because they don't do that much. You're it kind of just looks like you're throwing a n- new number on to tell us you have a bigger. I mean, it's the more cores meme in the most true fashion that it's ever been. Like that used to be what AM the meme about AMD, and now it's fully Intel because Intel just keeps adding cores and not improving performance. Uh, yeah. it, 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 well, it's really weird. Specifically, I think what you're trying to get at is just that between uh, Golden Cove and Raptor Cove to Meteor Lake with Crestmont and Redwood Cove, like basically their e cores haven't got better. Like that's shocking to me. Yeah, and that they need a ton of rehabbing of their image for e cores. So, like, they, are, <laughs> I, I would love they would never do this because it would have to t- be them admitting they make a mistake. But just a slide that is just Intel's. I mean, e cores actually do things now, and they prove that they do. <laughs> yeah. Th- well, I mean, I think they're going to have to with Arrow Lake. No, I mean, we got eight big cores and sixteen little cores, but no hyper threading. So, unless Arrow Lake has a fundamental flaw that they're just like, yeah, it just, you know, if you need more than eight threads in one app, that's low latency gaming. Uh, you're screwed. Like they, the little cores need to be a lot stronger and the, there needs to be not as much of a penalty to a game using both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like really using both, not just like, oh, for a background task or this, like, or requiring like Intel to program to the metal, like for only two games for Raptor Lake to use them effectively in that game. Um, it needs to be like all games and work well. And from the sound of it, that's probably what they're going to try to do with Arrow Lake. I do hear, I think it's Skymont inside of Arrow Lake, uh, that the little cores are actually a lot, a lot stronger. Um, but all right. So Benjamin Cannon writes and says, what performance does top Arrow Lake need to hit over base and five to be a good product? Do you think it will be able to hit that performance? Well, it's coming out six to 10 months later. So we agree it needs to beat Zen five tying it. Who cares? It came out later. Yeah, I mean, if it can't, if it comes out six months later, I think it needs to be at least five percent better than base Zen five. But then, assuming we don't know how AMD is going to do it in the future, if AMD is holding back X three D to defeat that marketing material, or I mean, you would just want it to be out first and better anyways, though. But if X, we're presuming AMD does the same thing that they've done every time. Five percent probably isn't enough to defeat the X3D launch in gaming. So, so yeah, eh, th- maybe they need to be fifteen percent better than Zen Five base in gaming. So yeah, let's just say Zen Five t- is twenty percent better than Zen Four, and the and this is you know I don't know if it's lowballing it, but I'm definitely not being aggressive. Like just it's only twenty percent better, let's say, and then the X three D though gets a big benefit, maybe bigger than usual, and that makes it like seventy eight hundred X three D to eighty eight hundred X three D out of AMD. Maybe that eight core with V cache is say thirty percent better, or yeah, twenty five percent better. Let's say. I mean, so we're saying Arrow Lake needs to be thirty five percent better than Raptor Lake without consuming four hundred watts. From what I've heard, they're trying to pull down power, and I don't mean pull down from four hundred to three hundred, but it sounds like they're trying to go from two fifty to one eighty. So that's, 
I heard that this week from somebody. That's hopefully mm-hmm. what ends up happening. But that would be what makes it good, not what makes us go, holy crap, right? What's good is against X3D, Arrow Lake still wins by 10% while not using appreciably more enemy uh, energy. energy. It, it, it can use a little more, but 200 versus 170 watts, something like that, not 300 watts, mm-hmm. right? That's what would make it good to you. And then if it was like 15% better at everything at same power, oh, it'd be a home run. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Um, and then I would also just say it needs to come out. It needs to come out around X3D at least. Oh, definitely. Um, once again, assuming that AMD doesn't... I, I, AMD likes st- staggering their launches, so I'm guessing they'll have the X3D launch later. But that's just because that's what they've done the other two times. But yeah, it needs... Um, well, you know, we're blending into it. Let us just switch to the AMD subject uh, right now then. Um Do you feel like you're wasting your time prodding through eBay searching for reasonably priced Windows keys? Well, there's no need to do that. Just go to cdkeyoffer.com during their Christmas super sale. Going to cdkeyoffer.com gets you reasonably priced Microsoft operating systems, office products, and even many of the latest games on discount. And I think that this website actually is just important for PC gamers to have in an industry where we keep being nickeled and dimed over and over. Don't overpay for something that you basically have to buy to play all the PC games out there. Go to cdkeyoffer.com. And you know, actually, cdkeyoffer.com has been a sponsor of Moore's Law is Dead for many years. You know, over the Christmas break, me and Dan, co-host of Broken Silicon, we will be gaming on our PCs, and both of them run operating systems bought through cdkeyoffer.com. Their stuff works. The community trusts them at Moore's Law is Dead. And so if you need any of these products, go there. Just clicking on the links in the description helps out the channel a ton. But if you need these products, Make sure you use offer code BROKENSILICON to get 25% off all Microsoft products and then Die Shrink to get 3% off everything else on the website. Again, going there, using these keys helps the channel a lot. It helps save you money. Check out cdkeyoffer.com today. So a lot of Zen 5 and Zen 6 leaks have come out this year. Some huge ones, I would argue, the biggest ones the past two months um, from this channel. And I've been thinking about this. You know, all evidence up until now has been that Zen 5 is pretty much ready to launch at the beginning of, well, now, basically, let's say a couple weeks from now, if they really wanted it to. Well, not not a couple weeks from now, but you know what I mean. Like, obviously, that's probably not happening or we would already know. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. if they really wanted to, they could do it in the first couple months of the year. But there's a part of me that's like, you know, when you look online, Zen 4 is beating... 13th gen in sales by a lot if i was in the boardroom at amd and again everyone listening i'm not saying i want this to happen <laughs> i would say hey you know what's our biggest 13th gen killer zen 4 <laughs> it already is we don't need to rush this launch at all and i would be advocating for pushing back the launch to like summer if it meant x3d could be announced at the same time that makes sense. And I also don't know, frankly, exactly what AMD is doing with all of their uh, Zen 3 stuff as well, um, because they're still launching new Zen 3 products, even even though they're small launches. So I'm not sure if there's inventory they're trying to get through or they're actually just still manufacturing Zen 3 to that extent. 
Well, they um, are because they have to for server customers. So they have oh, to throw them true. somewhere that were sealed. Okay, it, because the one thing I, I could imagine is having issues uh, with having so many lo- uh, having so many lines being out and actively launching new uh, SKUs for it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it, it would be best if they can, if they start wi- winding down Zen 3 uh, as they introduce Zen 5. Um, maybe de-emphasize, but I think they're going to keep selling it for years because they have to. Okay. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I would just say focus on your, would it be B550? Yeah, B550 yeah. motherboards for 80 bucks. your 5500X3Ds for 150 bucks. If you want to do a budget system with DDR4, hey, this is the place to go. You know, mm-hmm. just but you know, de-emphasizing a lot of those products and like actually like, okay, now Zen 4 is starting to become more of a budget option below Zen 5, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but do you do you agree with what I'm saying though? Like, I if I was AMD, I would start producing Zen 5, understand the general lineup, um, and then just maybe do some price cuts to zen 4 if it's even necessary i don't know if it even is but like allow them to keep their prices pretty low over the first half of next year and then just once they're starting to sell through go um oh we're starting to run out of stock all right cut it one month from now we're launching zen 5 because the more you can drag it out if you especially if they don't think air lake's going to be out in any timely fashion the more it's like it would really feel like a more of a raffle stomp if they announce their x3d chips at the same time and launch them within a one month time frame of each other because i really think that held back early zen 4 sales as everyone was waiting for x3d even if they didn't buy it they were waiting yeah. for it because they just want to know what the options will be no i i agree i mean the 7800 x3d specifically has really really dominated uh like discussion uh, of which uh cpu you should get because frankly if you don't if you have a mid but mid to high budget gaming gpu that's just the cpu you should get like there's not really discuss oh it's not really an r4090 it's still the best one exactly there's not really even an argument and the the only argument only comes with well i'm trying to save money and uh i'm gonna cut not get the 7800 x3d which cpu should i get for my gaming pc right the answer and the, is probably the 7700 7700 x or the 5800 x but think about that the people who are saying i want to save money so those aren't going to be the early adopters so they're not going to buy anything until they see x3d come out yeah so the x3d needs to come out at least the 7800 x3d needs to come out 8800 x3d sorry yeah yeah. at least the 8800 x3d needs to come out a lot with the initial lineup because if it doesn't everybody's just going to be waiting for what that looks like and people aren't i don't think people are going to buy like the 8700 x or whatever they brand that as next year or 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 just figure out your lineup ahead of time again this is something i'm starting to come back to more and more with every company and like what i think they should do like be confident know what you're doing and then just do it and I don't even think it necessarily needs to come out. Like, let's say they push back Zen 5 desktop to quarter two, like June. They All they need to do is be like 8950X600, 8900X500, 8800X3D400, launching in quarter three, 8700X launching, you know, mm-hmm. in June for 330. Let people know ahead of time 
you're not going to get screwed. We're not going to drop this and do a price cut on a thing you just bought. If you want it now, $330 now. The other one's going to be $400 when it comes out. So you're waiting to pay 30% more for the best product. They have to say ahead of time what it costs and when it's coming out so that people don't just wait to make sure they're not burned. Yeah. Because, well, that, that, and that has been an issue for a while now. I, I mean, I know launches have always been drawn out um, for, for a new uh, generation of any piece of hardware, but with NVIDIA's being really all over the place with how they release their products, with AMD's kind of all over the place, and with both their GPUs and their CPUs, everybody kind of has this presumption that, or at least I expect it, a lot of people have the presumption that, well, th- the landscape is going to be different in six months because NVIDIA is going to realize that, oh, this isn't selling that well, so we need to hyper tune uh, our, our line and get rid of this one and add another one in. And it, it, the problem is, there's no stability to the market and people just don't know what to buy and wait. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's the same thing that at least with AMD, there's a cadence that they've shown where it's like, we release that. Then we release the X3D a few months later and, or like six months later. And then they have the non X's with they release later. And it's just like, well, if everybody's not expecting, it has no expectation. You're, I mean, if everybody's expecting that, there's just no reason to buy into an initial launch. It, yeah, it's like the opposite of what you would want to do. Yeah, it's just like we're going to have these sh- sitting on store shelves for six months because nobody knows if this uh, 8700X is actually the right CPU to buy. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that too because I remember talking with Karen Nosugata, contributor to Moore's Law is Dead, um, and we I think we both agreed. I don't think they should have... And I think even brought this up with some guests on Broken Silicon. I don't think they should have launched the 7600X when they did. There was absolutely no point. They didn't have any cheap motherboards. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, like, that well, was we, I idiotic. Think we even talked about that before. Like, yeah, I think me and you probably did too then. Like, like why, why would you release your budget CPU on only premium motherboards? <laughs> right. And, and like, so I would say right now, like, if X3D isn't ready, <laughs> honestly, maybe they should just launch the 8950X and the 8900X and go away. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Like, why do you need the six core? You already have, you already have it. You already have the 7800X3D. Don't launch the second half of your lineup until X3D is out because it's pointless. Actually, now that I say this out loud, yeah, that AMD, if they're not ready and they want to launch soon, launch the 8950X, the 8900X, make them reasonable, 600, 500, like price them in line with their existing stuff and just go away. Like, wait, you know, and then discontinue the 7950X3D, by the way. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Actually, I'm sure that's the right move now. I don't know yeah, why I didn't think of that before. It's so yeah, simple. Then, then maybe the next thing, the correct next thing to launch is like the 8600X or something. And a, a couple months later, and once Zen 4 is selling through, that's when you do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Right. Because why get that if I can get a 7700X for 250? Like, yeah, I mean, or from AMD's perspective, why do they need to? Um, QH Freddy writes in and he says, Why well, can somewhat understand AMD holding back Zen 5C because it's not really needed to compete? What would be the reason to not ramp Zen 5V cache along the vanilla version? Oh, well, per- perfect. I didn't even <laughs> see that. It seems like a no brainer to me given the broad market of the large cores. No, yeah, and that's what we're saying. Like, 100% looking at 7800X 3D dominate sales right now if you're amd you're like 
There's no point in launching another eight core until the X3D is out. There's mm-hmm. no point. You almost oh, shouldn't launch the eight core. They just do the Vcash model. Like, what is the point? You know? I mean, it's a firmly gaming product. All, all of the eight cores are. Eight cores are 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 the eight are the product for games. So, yeah, the thing that sacrifices uh, pr- productivity a little bit for way better gaming is probably just smarter than releasing three different eight cores every generation like they are doing right now. Yeah. And if they're smart, they will realize that. Um, <laughs> Techno writes in and he says, how much more would 12 P core plus 16 E core cost them over eight plus 32? We'll divide the E by four. So 12 plus 16 is equivalent to 16 in die space. Eight plus 32 is 12. So 33% more. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Think so what what you would really say then is it should then be 12 plus 12 or something or yeah and I think that would be the product people want by the way. <laughs> yeah, that, I think there's definitely an argument for that because oh well even in gaming like with 12 cores oh, the spit the a lot of the spillover from eight cores would still be handled by P cores. Mhm. Um Chris Rich writes in he says it feels like AMD has basically won the do it yourself x86 market. What more do they need to win over OEMs and pre-builders? I mean, they need volume, and some of it is just time. And that is why I would launch, again, now I'm realizing like the strategy they really should go with here. They really should launch the 8950X as soon as they can, I think. Yeah, because, I mean, for like work desktops, that would be great. Or certain work desktops. Like <laughs> it comes out, it's across the board twenty percent better, and then in multi-threading, it's probably thirty percent. But then AVX workloads, it's like fifty percent better or something. That's exactly what professionals would want. Drop that chart, top it, and then just market the shit out of it. Market <laughs> the shit out of it. Say, like, have a graph. Here's Intel. Here's their last gen. Here's a, they're the same, by the way. And then here's us up here, just across a giant bar and just show that off and don't stop talking about it. That's the type of ads they need to put on TV. And then people will go to Dell and they will say, why don't you have AMD selections? I don't want that. I'm going to go to Lenovo or something, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's what they need to do. And it's happening, you know, I mean, they're getting more sales there, but I think that is where they need to launch as soon as possible, market the crap out of it and get people to start asking for this from non-do-it-yourself. Yeah, and to to an extent, all of the ads you see online for like influencer ads for pre-builds, they're always using Intel. And eh, I, I mean, if they advertise it enough, I, I mean, even people that don't aren't confident enough to build a, a PC will start commenting on those influencers' posts, like. Well, why is why do I have to get the fourteen nine hundred K? I want a seven. I want an eighty eight hundred X three D in my pre build or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, and I mean AMD. I would try to do that too. Like start doing this outreach where you have these game. I mean, if you ha- you have the best gaming chips, send these desktops. Fund esports teams. Have them always using that in the background. Um, the Hollow Knight writes in and he says in the post Zen six era. Do you think the Zen core design will be focused for performance, density, or efficiency cores? Um, or will the Zen architecture simply be retired? It's all three, from what I've been told. 
they'll have they'll have a performance architecture, density architecture, efficiency architecture. Because again, Intel's E cores are not efficient. That's actually a density core, is what they should be called. Yeah. Um, and e- efficiency is a whole other thing. Um, you know, but if your question is which one of those would they select for the standard performance? Yeah, until workloads are super heavily uh, threaded for most people. I don't know why you would want density cores on a desktop or want all density cores. I just don't think so. I think once you get above 16 cores, unless it's a specific type of app, it probably will just be handled by a neural engine or GPU. Yeah, and so I think most people just DIY buying a desktop want eight performance cores and the other eight can be density cores. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, AMD's version of an, a density core, I should say, because it's well. well my understanding good. is what, what someone proposed to me. And again, I'm not 100 confirming this, um, but like distant future, AMD may have C versions of the main architecture, but no, they're like different. It's not Zen mm. C. There's different architectures, three forks, mm-hmm. three different options okay. that are going on their own path, and one is density, one is efficiency, one is performance. The core version, if they keep calling it Zen, I'm sure will be the performance one. Okay. Um, Bart writes in and he says, thanks for all the content throughout the year, Tom and team. My question is about upcoming AMD server products. As leaked, we are expecting Zen 6 Venice to feature different chiplets. During Lisa Sue's last presentation, she was talking about opening up Infinity Fabric. And we know they are, yeah, it's open source. They are part of the UCIE Open Chiplet Interconnect Consortium. You think we will see products with consumers' chiplets integrated by Venice? customers chiplets in Venice only after that or maybe after by Zen 5 for certain customers uh thanks for all the hard work and happy holidays um well I mean I think this is mostly about like letting other people use the infinity fabric right yeah that, that's what that sounds like to me yeah so yes um all right let us move on to i guess you know dan we've kind of not talked about this a whole lot and i didn't talk about it with davin so i thought i would bring it up here the snapdragon um x elite so the qualcomm's launching an apu next year um do you have big expectations for it uh i mean uh, new entrants into the market or i shouldn't say new but Qualcomm's certainly not a small company, but them trying to get it into PC, if that's what their goal, if that's ultimately what their goal is with the X Elite. I mean, I'm excited to see how it looks uh, versus the competition that's available, but I also just have no expectations from them because they, I, I know them as a phone chip manufacturer. Mark writes in, oh, hi, Mark. And he says, curious, what do you think of the Snapdragon X Elite? Where does the X Elite land in Qualcomm's future laptop SoC stack? Is it an M3 competitor, an M3 Pro? What's the typical entry price of a future X Elite laptop? Is it impressive that they got greater efficiency than the M2 on a 5 nanometer family node? Uh, how will it compete against Zen 5? Might it be a big selling point that OEMs can't ruin it by saddling it with a G- DGPU? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people wish you could just get a Phoenix laptop for $200 less without a graphics card. Um, but anyways, I mean, I, I, it's a Strix competitor from what I can see in the performance, um, which whatever that is for Apple, that's what it is. Um, you know, and in terms of like what I expect out of it, I mean, honestly, I just, 
a lot of Qualcomm's products, and I've had people point this out, tend to do extra, extra well in synthetics, like even more so than what Intel does. Like it's mm. in synthetic workloads, Qualcomm does really well. And so until I see this out, actually out, widely available, and directly there next to what's there at the time, I don't know. Because if it were to launch in four months somehow, and it actually is good and Strix isn't out yet, I'd go, I don't know. Maybe, get that. Yeah, Maybe I'm getting that. You know? <laughs> Maybe I'll buy it. I but if it comes out, oh, they paper launched it. It was good in synthetics, but can't run half your apps. And it actually launched after Strix. It's a fundamentally different scenario. And so I just don't have expectations, except that it's a Strix competitor from what I can tell. Yeah, and I, I know that synthetics seems to be where benchmarks always come out of first. But I, I don't exactly find it promising that that would be the thing they're talking about the most is synthetics. Because... Once again, I think synthetics are good for doing apples to apples comparisons of like uh, 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 in a company's architecture versus their previous architecture or something. That makes sense. But like Cinebench isn't a real app. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you have to take keep that in mind. It is technically part of some real app, but people are going to get mad at you for Uh, saying that now. Sorry, it's. People use Cinebench for uh, benchmarking, and that's its primary per- reason for In it. our circles, it seems yes. like. Um, Karen knows who got it right, and he says, Hi, Tom. In your Octo- October Loose Ends live stream, you answered a question about Windows on ARM. Given that ARM has been supported on Windows for longer than Mac OS, but with little to show for it, I am also skeptical about this changing much of anything soon and decided to write up my thoughts on the topic, which, Carrie, I actually decided to read, like you said, Dan, this Ulysses novel. He says, the 8086 came out in 1978, the ARM1 in 1985. These are both old architectures, people. The early chips had tens of thousands of transistors in total, while today's CPUs have billions. I'd argue that all of those extra transistors drowned out the differences in ISAs to at least a notable degree, that lately it's more about what they were optimized for and how well they were implemented. The market doesn't really care about ISAs. It just wants more of the same. For Qualcomm to take significant market share, they'll have to show that the benefits far outweigh the costs. The bigger the benefits and the lower the costs, the easier it is to persuade people to convert. So I would consider this to be harder than persuading gamers even to switch from NVIDIA to Radeon. I think they'll need more than a 30% advantage. I saying because it seems like when AMD is 30% better, people buy them over NVIDIA. So he's like, they might need to be 50% better for people to consider mm-hmm. it, considering what the downsides could be. With regards to the Snapdragon X Elite specifically, I think the main reason why they showed it so early before it's actually launching is that they are desperate to get support from OEMs in the media. While some of the benchmarks shown are impressive, it's also worth keeping in mind that Qualcomm's existing ARM chips do much better on synthetic benchmarks than real-world applications. I'd also expect to be particularly poor at games. In short, what Qualcomm presented was highly biased in their favor, both in terms of the specific benchmarks and what they were comparing to. Is not to say that the results are fake, but that, as always, the correct thing would be to wait for actual systems with actual prices to compare what's available at the time using more representative benchmarks of things people use day-to-day. So... Yeah, I think this is something that we've seen over and over here where people are like, arm, arm, arm is going to arm the arm. And I go, okay, well, show me. Show me the money. Like, show me the laptop that beats the Alder Lake one or then the Phoenix one or Strix. Show me. Yeah, I think a lot of the time there's always uh, 
elevated expectations about a new entrant into the market because a new entrant. Oh, we have never seen that before. No, it's never <laughs> happened. Uh, <laughs> it's it, because it's exciting to speculate on what, what uh, these markets essentially not being a duopoly means. But the problem is they need to prove it first and they usually don't prove it when a new entrant gets into the market, or at least these days they don't. So I, I, I'm hoping to be wrong. I'm, I would love to see it, Snapdragon, uh, AMD, I mean, Zen and uh, an actual successful Intel in the market, but we'll see. Yeah, it looked, there's Cinebench. Oh, there's Cinebench. Um, I mean, it looks, it does look impressive, I suppose, in these synthetic, but I'm like, I'm trying to just see like, game, yeah, like Aztec Ruins. Okay. Everybody's I mean, favorite game, Aztec Ruins. favorite game. Yeah, I, the CPU looks decently strong, but I'm not seeing a convincing argument here that, I don't know, we'll have to see. I'm sure in some scenarios it will be a lot stronger. And if it is and it's in widely available laptops and it runs all the apps that I use in Windows, I, I sure I could consider getting it. It's just my my can my worry would be a bigger version of what AMD has to deal with. Like AMD's been working with OEMs for years since Zen and really before Zen, implementing, telling them a new product comes out, here's the new socket or not, this slots in use this cooling. Here's our standard package and how you do this. I just wonder, is like Qualcomm doing that with Dell? I mean, I know Dell's working mm-hmm. with them, by the way, I do. But like, will they have as much of an offering? Will it be as optimized and haggled over to be perfect? So I don't know. That's what I'll be waiting to see. Because you have to remember, when you buy a laptop, you're not just buying an SOC, you're buying the overall package. And the reason I still have a Comet Lake 2060 laptop is despite, I believe at the time, wanting like Renoir or something, it was just Intel's laptop was better of an overall package. And mm-hmm. I'd say that's different now for the first time for the most part. You're starting to see overall packages with AMD comparable. But that took AMD a long time. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, on the first generation, well, first two generations of Qualcomm is more than anything going to be Qualcomm proving that you should get a Qualcomm uh, SOC uh, mm-hmm. or proving to OEMs that people want it. <laughs> Um, QH Freddy writes in, do you think that people or arm shills are going to be disappointed when arm windows laptops aren't at all competitive with Apple in efficiency or battery life and get bogged down, uh, by being badly optimized power hogs? Well, I'd say there's a little bit of bias there, QH Freddy, and what you're, how bad you're assuming it will be. But to be honest, I mean, anytime there's arm hype, no one ever says anything after it dissipates. They just... Mm -hmm. Go find the next arm thing they're going to hype up. Um, all right. Sierra Forest and Granite Rapids. Dan, I have it on the list. Do you have any thoughts? Um, not not too many. I mean, just if I'm remembering correctly, Sierra Forest sounds meh, and I don't actually know that much, know or remember that much about what Granite Rapids' expectations are. Well, Granite Rapids is 120 cores at least in the AP model that comes out. People need to remember this, I believe, later in the year. Um, and then the 86 core or up to 86 core or something uh, SP model comes out in the first half of next year, I believe. And it's Redwood Cove Plus. So at best, we're looking at performance in between Zen 4 and Zen 5 per core. So 
up to 120 cores by the end of the year. That should be weaker than Zen 5 cores. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like it's potentially more competitive to. It's better AMD than what they have Epic. now. What's uh, the next Epic again, Turin? But yeah, 128 cores. So it sounds like it's potentially more competitive with that versus what there is right now. So that's good for Intel, but I, I don't know how much more competitive it is if it's not going to be as good on a single core basis and it also has slightly fewer cores. Right. I think it all comes down to, will this actually come out like quarter two or something? Can they mm-hmm. get the higher core count models out by then? Then, you know, it's it's going to be an improvement in this situation, but not really beating AMD. Um, but then if the 192 core models, which we've already seen on roadmaps, they could potentially launch sooner, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm just looking at something that's like catching up, but costs more. And Sierra Forest is I'm complete nothing. I mean, we're talking about 100 or 288 cores, 288 threads of Skylake performance against 192 core, um, 384 thread, uh, Zen 5. I mean, you're looking at what? Like almost like double the IPC or like, Mm -hmm. because that's Skylake's extent too. So three, four. Yeah. I mean, no. (laughs) Sierra Forest is, I, no. Um, Nicholas Buckner writes in and he asks, the AMD MI300X combined Infinity Cache from RDNA and some APU features. Is the bifurcation of CDNA and RDNA architectures going to be remerged in the coming years? Or is AMD going to further split GPU and APU development, similar to how you hinted CPUs might get performance-focused, area-focused, and power-focused cores uh, beyond Zen CPUs? I think you'll see like the professional stuff in CDNA that everyone wants get remerged back into gaming. And you'll see them like merge features. Like maybe one of them get it first. I don't see them becoming the same thing again though. Oh yeah. And it makes sense. They're one company. Why wouldn't they share technologies that are useful for all their architectures? (laughs) But um, no, I I don't think we're going to get a situation where all of a sudden they're the same thing again. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Now let us move on to really probably the main or one of the main final discussions here for this episode, which is Blackwell. I don't know if you saw Dan. I'm, well, we already talked about it offline a bit, but my last video, you know, talked about Blackwell, and I made it very clear, and this came directly from my best sources at Nvidia, that well, I'm not going to disclose specs yet. Frankly, their final exact specs aren't decided, um, or at least how they'll be segmented, uh, and. What I can say, though, is Blackwell is ready to launch quarter four, 2024. It is. It is ready to go. And quarter one is the latest because they're going to talk about it at CES with laptops. It's supposed to have really good efficiency, which I believe it's on three nanometers, so it should, um, compared to four nanometer RDNA 4, and that its performance uplift isn't as big as Ampere to Lovelace, which was massive. Um, you know, I mean, we're talking over 50%, six, like 70 to hundred percent. If they were to push a 4090 TI that went all out, I think you'd be looking at something like 80 to hundred percent stronger than the, uh, 3090 TI, but they're choosing not to, cause they don't need to, um, outside of that, I can't really say if it's really better than Ampere or not over Turing yet, but let's just call it a 50% boost. You know, um, w- what do you think NVIDIA should do? Like, how should NVIDIA segment it? And we're not even saying they should be a charity. Like, what do you think they need to do with something 50% better than Lovelace that launches at the end of next year? Like, what does it need to do? I mean, something like the 5090 or whatever they'll call it. Well, it's probably going to be the 5090 again. Um, mm-hmm. 
I would hope that they try to don't try to push it too much and try to keep close to the same price they have right now. But the top of the market hasn't really proved where people will stop buying it. So, <laughs> well, I think it has. I think people won't don't want to spend more than two thousand. I mean, I think we see it. I think you okay. see sales yeah, tail off right. there. So, I mean, it can't be more than two thousand, but I'm hoping it's uh, sixteen hundred again or seventeen hundred or something. And then, I well, w- I, I think you won't sell a lot there. I guess I can't discount. That they might do twenty five hundred, and then there's a fifty eighty Ti that's like thirteen hundred. That's actually twenty percent cut down. Let me just throw that out there to everyone <laughs> listening. <laughs> and then it depends where AMD is and the where AMD uh, can adjust their pricing for everything. But like, I mean, I, I I kind of hope you see similar pricing to what we have now. Well, not not what we have now, or like the launch MSRPs, but de facto the situation that's arisen so like the well i would like a 4080 below a thousand dollars i would like the 4060 ti or whatever to be 5060 ti sorry yeah 5060 T. i'm gonna keep saying accidentally saying the wrong name i know i'm just saying it to save you from the comments <laughs> i would like a 5060 ti below four hundred dollars and i would like to see you know, the middle of the market work out that way according, uh, accordingly. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I, I don't want to speculate. I don't know if there's, I, I am able to speculate on every single card that might exist in, <laughs> in the lineup. Mm-hmm. A- and then an actual 50 model would be nice to see, but I have no expectations of it. Yeah. Like well, an actual six fifty model that's $250 or something. Yeah, but I mean or like... Lower. Like, so what do you think? Do you think they're going to do that, though? So that's I, why my question is, what should they do that is realistic? Because I think there's arguments that Lovelace really fucked up. I mean, are you kidding me? No one bought the 4080. They unlaunched the 4080 12 gigabyte. I'm saying they, I'm not telling you what you want, Dan. What do you think they should do that's realistic and is maybe a little more aggressive? Well, I, I think the this year has proven that they can't continue to challenge, try to challenge the market with the prices they're offering. So I think something's going to have to give where they gave into pressure and they lowered the prices on several of their models. That kind of proves that they can't launch, uh, sell those models at those prices. So I think they have to sell things for lower (laughs) or lower or near the same as what they're currently at, not where they started. Yeah, with the 5090, let's assume it's 50% faster than the 4090. I think that's going to be a slam dunk when it comes out. And I think the pricing just depends on what's going on with the AI market. If they know and everyone's going to buy this 24 or 32 gigabyte card or something, uh, depending on what RAM's available at the yeah. time, um, like then I think they could probably just go 2000 because they know all the AI people will buy it up anyways. And then I think they can just make a 5080 Ti that's like 20% cut down is less RAM. But as long as it still beats the 4090 by 30% and it's even a little cheaper than the 4090, it'll sell like hotcakes. Um, and then I think the rest of the lineup just depends if RDNA 4 is good. But yeah, I think they that's go ultimately on. where RDNA 4 is going to be competing probably. Yeah, and that's why I think... The 5080 needs to be 
$900 and beat the 4090. You can beat it by just 5%. And again, everyone listening, I'm not saying that's what I want. I want it to be $10. But I'm saying if I'm trying to be realistic with what I think NVIDIA will do, I think when we're going to have to see, if the 4080 Super sells like hotcakes at, like say, 1,000, then we know that they can well, get they away can, with that. Th- then we know the 5080 will probably be 1,000. Exactly. <laughs> that's what we're going to find out. But if it's still, like if it comes out at $1,000, and then the 7900 XTX gets a price up to 900 and keeps selling, then I think maybe NVIDIA will go, all right, well, no. But I think it needs to beat the 4090, and it needs to be 900 or less. And if they do that, and then just logically go 770, 560 Ti, as strong as a 4070 Ti, or better, $400, 5060 that beats the 4070 Super, like logically like that, and then yeet out, that's what they need to do. But I think that's all they have to do. It is their market to lose right now. They need to be more aggressive than before. But I think what people really want to see is consistency. Like in a world where Intel is who knows (laughs) (laughs) and AMD is canceling certain things and there's delays, just be more aggressive than last gen, launch all your, announce it all at once and then leave. And I think that's all they got to do. But they do have to do that because I think RDNA 4 could really be an issue for them if they think they can try this again. Yeah, it could be. Um, XTX999 writes in and says, any reports on Blackwell and what its main focus is? I believe it was mentioned that it was, they're going all in on something better than DLSS 3.5. Yeah. Has it Lovelace's failure in some parts? It's not like a failure, but like, yeah, it wasn't a slam dunk. Uh, shift in NVIDIA's pricing strategy. I would uh, suspect so. Um, I think the main focus is just going to be dominating efficiency, right? I think that's mm-hmm. going to be the main focus and ray tracing. Um, Jordan Simkovic writes in and says, hey, guys, what sort of performance bump are you expecting in the low end and in the laptop from Blackwell? Will the 5060 be a 4070 Ti in raster? And maybe even the laptop version on that level of performance as well. Any chance of an actual 5050 launch? I don't think so, personally. Like, not yeah. anytime soon. I mean, why? They have all these 3060s they still need to sell. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I the, the new uh, GPUs uh, from NVIDIA this gen didn't really inspire confidence on their laptop, on the laptop end of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I have no expectations there. I think their dyes are going to be just more and more truncated over time because they know they want a good three to $400 product. What does that mean with a new node? Smaller and smaller dyes in the three to $400 segment. That's what we saw with the 4060. Mm-hmm. So, I think the 5060, if it does use the GB107 die, I think, yeah, I mean, look, you'll see it be like probably a bit better than the 4060 Ti for 350 with 12 gigabytes is my guess is what they're Mm -hmm. aiming for. But then they'll be more aggressive in the high end because maybe they'll learn from the 7800X3D, not it, 7800XT that uh, they, uh, they need to be much more aggressive in the high end next gen. Um, let me see here. So we talked about RDNA four, me and uh David a lot. So I don't want to dwell on that one too much here. Um, but what I will do is just bring up Techno writes in and he says, watching Broken Silicon 235, I kind of think you're right about something he said. A VRAM heavy lineup for RDNA 4 would actually be greatly beneficial to AMD, especially with GDDR7 having higher capacities. It would keep the graphics cards relevant. It would help make RDNA 4 be perceived less of a misgeneration, more of a once and in every 10 generation, allow them to make up for NVIDIA shortcomings and allow them to... Yeah, I mean, you know, and the demand for VRAM this year was a huge saving grace for AMD. If there was one generation 
where you shouldn't have skimped on VRAM. It was this one. AMD didn't, and I think that helped them a lot. Yeah, and NVIDIA needs to stop skimping on VRAM uh, below the high end. And yeah, I I don't know. I think everything on AMD's lineup uh, should probably have 12 or 16 gigabytes or or more. Uh, I mean, 12 plus gigabytes, I guess I should say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I want to throw this idea at you. So wait, what, what, what did I write down here? Just a scratch math. So let's say NVIDIA has a 5070 that is 10% stronger than a 4080 Super, $700. You know, stronger mm-hmm. than a Super, so it's like 15% weaker than the 4090, a bit stronger, 15% better than the 4080 Super or so, and it's 700 and Then AMD has a $500 card with 16 gigabytes. Maybe, let's say the 5070 also has 16 Hopefully, I don't know. Well, let's just pretend it could. <laughs> and then it's 4080. So NVIDIA's got something that's $700, but it's more efficient, better ray tracing, and it's, say, 20% stronger than AMD's $500 product. So if you're really going for budget, you'd look at AMD and you go, well, I don't know. It's it's a, a little weaker, but it's 30% cheaper at the same amount of RAM. I think that would sell well. Do you think AMD should make a 32 gigabyte edition for like 650 or something? Maybe. What I would say is I think AMD, if they want to be able to sell prices at close to the same price, at close to the same or worse price performance than NVIDIA, they need to catch up in their uh, other, in features other than raster performance. So, well, let's assume they're, catching up a better situation than now like maybe like right when fsr2 came out and it's more supported or something uh i mean yeah then maybe that would sell well and yeah if they amd can catch up i think stuff like that might work but amd amd is fighting uh a reputation of being further behind on their uh software technologies than nvidia yeah i know but I, i i i'm just asking like $700, 700 dollars 16 gigabytes 650 32 gigabytes or so like even same price but it's 10 percent weaker i'm i'm wondering how many people would go for that you think i don't i i, I don't think the mar- much of the market cares about going over 16 gigabytes right now where it's i think it's viewed as more of a nice thing to have going into the future maybe uh and i think most people would think 16 gigabytes is sufficient um, until you start seeing ga- a lot of games push up against that 16 gigabyte threshold, which we're really not seeing it that much yet. 12 gigabytes is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. but <laughs> if it- Right. Yeah. If the 5070 is 12 gigabytes for over 500, that's, that's going to look bad. It's going to look really, really bad. The only thing I would say is it was interesting if the AI boom was still going on, the AI developer I had on, he was like, honestly, the cheapest thing they could do just give 32 gigabytes to a top end model. Just do it. Oh. Like, what are you cannibalizing? Your non-existent AI GPU sales? Like, like you could do something where like just everyone would buy that up for certain tasks. I do think oh, that's something okay, that makes sense. That's something interesting to think about. But you're right; it really won't make a difference in gaming, even for EPN reasons. <laughs> <laughs> unless, uh, yeah, unless there is at least the one big game you can point to. Yeah, right. Um, 
Let me see here. All right, let me skip a couple questions. QH Freddy writes in, do you think FSR or DLSS could, in the end, result in GPU VRAM growth accelerating in the coming years? Something along the lines of FSR and DLSS incentivizing monitor vendors to be more competitive in 4K and turn that incentivizes game devs to increase texture quality, which creates more demand for higher VRAM mouse to accommodate those hot better textures. Um, no, I think that's just going to happen either way. I think it's kind of acted at a band-aid right now, so people didn't notice that if they didn't turn DLSS on, their 8-gigabyte card would be toast. But I, I, I think um, I think they're just going to want more VRAM soon, and when the next-gen consoles come out, they're going to ramp it up a ton again. That's when 8-gigabytes goes away. Yeah, because, I, I mean, as more cards surpass the 3090s performance, more people are going to want <laughs> 20, 16 to 24 gigs of VRAM. Uh, so 16 gigs, I think. Well, I guess we'll see. 16 gigs could uh, is going to be mid range next generation, I think. And it kind oh, of yeah. already is. Yeah, I mean, it already is now. Is. <laughs> so that's how I, I think it universally needs to be a mid range thing, though. Yeah, I'd say that's the biggest thing NVIDIA could misjudge is if they actually gave 8 gigabytes to a $400 card again and they actually gave 12 gigabytes to a card over 500. That's the biggest misjudgment they could make with Backwell. And I, I said this to someone in NVIDIA, hey, if it's about density, I, I get your whole argument about fitting smaller buses into laptops. Sure. Don't launch it then on desktop. Yeah. Don't. There's no point in launching a twelve hundred, a twelve gigabyte card about five hundred dollars. Just don't do it. And by the way, Nvidia, would it be so bad if you just launched the fifty ninety and went home next, <laughs> next holiday season? Do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I. It's just not going to sell in in this market anymore. <laughs> Dan, any thoughts on Battle Mage? Uh, Battle Mage. What's that? <laughs> And, you know, I think I'm just going to skip ahead here to the final two questions because it's getting very late and we're recording this. Um, I don't have a ton of notes for these other subjects, so let's just skip to this. Sprutnik writes in and says, hey, Tom and Dan, what are you most excited for in the consumer market of desktop in 2024? Dan? Uh, I mean, I'm most, or the consumer, oh, desktop alone. I mean. Because you'd probably say the APUs if it wasn't desktop. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. I, I think I, I'm most interested to see how I think like NVIDIA tries to posture itself uh, with GPUs next uh, next year. And I'm also interested to see... Well, this year, Dan. Sorry, this year. It, a peek behind the curtain. <laughs> a peek behind the curtain of when we recorded this. <laughs> and uh, I'm interested to see how well Arrow Lake performs against Zen 5. Those are the two big things I'm looking at because I, I think those have the two biggest, depending on how it goes, those have pretty big implications on the market, I think. Yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah, I agree. I think the biggest, I think it's Arrow Lake. I mean, if it's only desktop, um, I think Zen 5 is pretty much a known quantity. It's going to be another standard uplift. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we know what it's going to be. It'll be a bigger deal than Zen 4 because I think it's going to have better benefits in certain scenarios than Zen 4 did, which was brute forcing it. But overall, similar uplift like Zen 4 or Zen 3 with a couple of cool cool things on the side. Uh, but Arrow Lake is the wild card. Mm-hmm. So that's the one I'm most interested to see. And 
yeah, outside of that, yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's it. It's definitely Arrow Lake. And Clean Sweep writes in and says, 2024 is looking like a big year for gaming hardware. What would it take for it to be one of the all-time greats? And how many duds can happen without knocking it down to just being a great year? Right, because it was interesting. A lot of products in 2023 were really becoming 2024 products. Some of that's happening in 2024 to 5 as well. But, you know, if we think of the biggest years, right, would we agree it was like 2020 and 2022? Like. Mm-hmm. 2020 was Zen 3, Ampere, Ardian A2. And wasn't that also Alder, like Alder Renoir? Wasn't no, that Alder Lake was 2021. Was, yeah, you're right. Alder Lake uh, was like the right. only thing that made 2021 interesting. <laughs> um, you know, so 2020 was a big year. AMD and NVIDIA, they both went for the high end at the same time too. And Zen 3 took the crown. I mean, wow. 2022 was a big year because you had Ardian A3, Lovelace, and Zen 4, and Raptor Lake. Mm-hmm. And so that was another big one. So let's think. Well, basically, we're saying you want at least four big thi- three or four big things, and we're going to have Zen 5, Arrow Lake, probably Blackwell. If not, almost Blackwell will be talking about it at the end of the year. And RDNA 4. And then also Strix. I'm saying this is... the, the What would make this be... I mean... Your Zen 5 would have to only be 10% better. Arrow Lake would have to not release that year. And then, therefore, Strix would have to be a bit of a letdown while Blackwell doesn't launch. That's what would happen. And then that would make it something still probably more interesting than 2021. Yeah, but there would that would mean there's really only... Well, th- there's only really two major launches and... Or three major launches, and two of them are kind of disappointing. Yeah, so still more interesting than 2021. Yeah. Like, but not 2020 or, yeah. So I would say, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, a, a lot of it would have to be a lot of Intel stuff just not coming out <laughs> and <laughs> NVIDIA deciding not to compete and then AMD dropping the ball and everything. So I think there's no way around it. It's going to probably at least rival 2022. Yeah. Um, all right, Dan. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. The one kicking off the new year. Um, I don't know. Any other final thoughts? I hope you ha- all have a, a great 2024 and you had a happy new year. <laughs> Hi. 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 <laughs> no, um, no, uh, I think, um, for those just listening, I did a really goofy thing where I hid behind my, uh, Mike, like a, a timid I, person before we started, an anime. Reco- before we started recording, I suggested, uh, him and I should both be like almost out of frame and have our cameras out of focus and be really far away from the mics just to see what types of comments like we would I, get. I, <laughs> let me see. Like if I just do this and then if I just put like this, if we just recorded the whole time like this with this, anyone yeah. complain? Yeah. I think that would have been a fun, a, a really fun comment. So <laughs> I just made my lights just start shooting rainbows everywhere <laughs> in the background the entire time. I'm sure none of you, would complain, but, um, no, um, you know, I just want to say one more time as we kick off the new year, remember that there was a die shrink that just came out looking at the future of like Intel's foundries and X86. And that's ad free, just $2 a month gets you access to that and a bunch of other die shrinks. Another one will be coming out soon. You have early ad free versions of broken Silicon. This one came out early. Of course, you know, you've already listened to it if you're on the Patreon. So please consider supporting us there. 
uh, for 2024 as we're trying to really beef up the staff of consistent pay. Pay where you don't have to argue with a sponsor if the ad can be five minutes or not. The answer is no. Um, and, you know, either way, though, tell people about us. Subscribe to the Moore's Laws Dead YouTube channel. Ring the bell button. I'm falling asleep, obviously. And just, yeah, I get, we'll see you with our CES coverage. And no matter what, though, thank you for sticking with us through 2023. It was the best year for the channel. And every year I am blown away by what we're able to do and by how many people, you know, support us either way. So at yeah. a minimum, thank you, those <laughs> who are here. Especially those who made it this far, because you're the fans if you just watched us do that. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah, you you guys definitely put up with us doing nothing for the last three minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> and for that, we will end the show. Thank you, everybody. Have a good week. Goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by the YouTube channel and website Moore's Law is Dead. Moore's Law is Dead and Broken Silicon are trademarks of their creator, Tom. That guy is me, and I am indeed the creator, editor, writer, and showrunner of Moore's Law's Dead podcast, videos, articles, and other media. However, it's not just me. Moore's Law's Dead is a team with Broken Silicon co-hosted by my brother Dan, audio editing by Gerard Cortez, renders being done by the industrial designer Jean-Philippe Clermont, and special assistance is also provided by Carmen Cry and Kerry Nosugad as well. Find all of our information at www.moreslawsdead.com on the about slash support page in the event you do want to hire me for consulting work, hire Gerard for audio work, hire Jean-Philippe for industrial design work, or you're interested in working with Carbon Cry or Kerry No Sugata as well. You can also find our long-term sponsors on that page if you want to show them some love for putting food on our tables. Or you can also mail us some love. You can send letters or hardware donations to the following address. Moore's Law is Dead, P.O. Box 60632 in Nashville, Tennessee, zip code 37206. Although, to be honest, the best way to show Moore's Law's Dead some love is to support us on Patreon. Patrons are what makes Moore's Law's Dead content truly possible. Every month, and really every day, depending on who you're talking about, me, Gerard, Dan, and John philippe are working tirelessly to provide a steady stream of content that we could not keep doing unless we knew the work was possible without being reliant on sponsors dictating every little thing we put out. Don't get us wrong. We love our sponsors, but we love directly working for you, our fans, much more. If you have any extra money, even a couple free dollars a month, consider supporting us directly on Patreon. Those couple of monthly dollars will get you access to the exclusive podcast Die Shrink, voting on subjects of future podcast episodes, the ability to ask guests questions, and of course, access to the Moore's Laws Dead Discord full of like-minded people who I am sure would love to meet you. I am one of them. Additionally, higher tiers get access to early, ad-free episodes of Broken Silicon, the ability to ask questions in all Broken Silicon episodes and loose ends live streams ahead of the recording, and the entire back catalog of Moore's Law Z podcasts, in addition to having thanks in the credits of videos and podcasts depending on the tier with other perks available as well. And hey... If you cannot afford to support us directly every month, please do share Moore's Law is Dead videos and podcasts with friends and family and on social media and websites like Reddit. And give Broken Silicon a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast app of choice. All of this does really help us so much. 
But like I said, this podcast would not be possible without it. the patrons directly providing predictable and reliable support every month. And so now it is time to give a personal thanks to the greatest of the fans. The following supporters are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supported levels. Brad Medlin, Drita Foles, Z Jits, Daniel D, Ian Clifford, Aaron Close, Jen Rauner, Daniel High, GZ Ziggy, Brian Regelman, MJB1, Sam Miller, Deke, SNES Chalmers, Nicholas Buckner, Jerem Ferriera, Valcom 11, Jensen Wang, Andrew S, Gregory S. Ecker, Sarcastro, Evan Dingle, Hardforum.com, Chris Rich, Greg Wantick, 3DS.08, Hal Buma, Compressed Earth Blocks, Shredbird, Dr. Foreman, Benjamin Cannon, Jonathan Blake, Franco Frederick, Holden Mobley, Jake Do23, Jake Martin, Simi Wallace, Slicky, Jordan Simkovic, Stefan Hart, Julian Leaked, Meat and Pork, The Boss Haas, Tim Robb, Penta Winta, Travis Gooding, Stefan, Mad, Zutsu Taylor, Stefan Coates, Roger Davies, Michael Medie, McGee, Greg, Patrick Grow, Amiable Chief, Tommy, Mark Mitchell, I should, Mark Raidmaker, James Anderson, Cole Attic, Judson N, Chrisentine, Colt, Colin Tadars, The Eternal Dreamers, Cameron, Wesley Sager, Henry Zhang, Neithra Zing, Michelle Pell, D31337 Antics, Hexa Puma, Toka, Reginald Ari, Teak Autumn, Jackson Miller, JSMMH, Gaiman Since Reagan, Jeff Settler, Loophole 35, Windstar, James I, Raider, Corey Leonard, Little Germany, Shea, Milton, Pulse Media, Dave Schultz, Dave uh, Mel- Melodic Warrior, Mac Daffy, Steven Dix, Chuck Glidden, Brett Jones, Austin Haggerty, Justin Bustle, I71700K, Jamie Witters, Joe Foot, Hardland, Slush Boss, C2, My Sharona, Earth Taurus, Jensen Angima, Joseph Kelly, Samuel Park, Keith Moore, Hemsa Gung, Tails2299, Mio Vale Vega, John, Vinti CZ, Sisyphos, The Forbidden Juice, Per Leakman, RB Racer, AZ, Richard Cowgill, Win Wang, Michael Cozy, Dr. J Matt, Alex Vega, Freedy, Brian Wright, John Swin, Jola Martina, Kikum, Elbergun, Solarize 80, Thalo215, Matthew Marlowe, Raisin Biscuit, Rennick1982, Jeff Johnson, Round McKicky, Cornster671, and of course, thank you to Sahara for the music, and Jesse, come on, stop looking down. And thank you to everybody who watched this year. Seriously, have a Merry Christmas, have a Happy Hanukkah, any other holiday you celebrate, Happy Holidays, and have a great New Year, everybody, and here's to seeing you all in the next year. <laughs>